Hello and welcome to the Scottish Clans. I'm Clint, I'll be your host again today. Thank you for joining me. Appreciate it. We're going to start today off with a little uh, question that I pulled from the Facebook page or the Facebook group, rather. Don't get those confused. And this question comes from Amy Hamilton. Good Scottish last name. And Amy says, if you have more than one clan in your family tree or your family line, which clan do you consider your direct lineage? Thank you. And if you are interested to see what many, it's got 99 comments on the Facebook group. So if you want to see what a lot of people are pitching in, this this question has genera- generated a lot of response. And so I encourage you to go over and look at that. Now, this is an interesting question. And I think it is more simple for some people and less simple for others. So it's really simple. Like if your last name's Hamilton, or if you're a woman and your married name is, is Hamilton, or any other Scottish clan or Scottish surname, now, keep in mind, there's a distinction between being a Scottish clan and a Scottish surname. Um, the Scottish, not every Scottish surname was a Scottish clan. Now, let's, but the Hamiltons were a notable kindred within Scotland's history. And so, so let's, let's just take that for example. And that's, that's different because you, it's very much, it's much more, in, in my opinion, straightforward. Now, the question is, going back to the, her exact wording, which clan do you consider your direct lineage? Well, okay, what do we mean by that phrase? Does direct, does direct lineage mean your patriarchal line? Because really, out of all the people who are interested in the history of Scotland, because of Scottish heritage, because of their own genealogy, only a fraction of those people really have a Scottish last name, especially if you're coming from the United States or Canada or Australia or New Zealand or any other places where Scots have settled, because the chances are that those Scots are mixed in with other people that are not of Scottish background. So I'm the perfect example of this. My last name's Edwards. Edwards came from Ceredigion on Wales and from Llanwenog, to be precise. And so, for me, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's on my mom's side of the family first of all, and then on that side of the family, it's, it's not even my mom's surname. It's, it's a different line for her that came out, and I've actually got the ancestry on both sides of my family by my mom and my dad's. But on, in either case, does it go back in a male line, exactly? And so, so what do I do? Which ones? Which ones? My direct lineage. Well, how do we define direct? Usually when we say something like that, we mean it in an unbroken patriarchal line, father to son, father to son, father to son. You could flip that and make it a matriarchal line, mother to daughter, mother to daughter, but historically that's not how surnames, nor your membership or part of a kindred was transmitted. Um, if, if you did have stronger connections to, and even within a historical Scottish context, if you did have stronger connection to your mother's clan, there's usually other factors going on there. And you could go back to Pictish times and... Yeah, it was a matrilineal society, and, and I've heard scholars argue that anyway. And even then, it's, there's, it's problematic. So let's, let's put that on the shelf and not worry about that one. So it, unless you have an actual Scottish surname or your husband, and you want to go along with that one, has a Scottish surname, then, then it's not a direct line if that's how we're going to define direct. 
Okay, so what happens? So which which line? Maybe another way to phrase this question would be which line do I associate or identify with? Because that might be a little bit more up for grabs. And at the end of the day, I don't think there's a right answer. Um, and I think a perfect example of this is the Outlander show. You go back in there, and Jamie is very much caught up with the Mackenzies, and a lot of now. Keep in mind, I've only seen the first several episodes of season one, and then I have not seen where the story goes from there. But just from that part of the story, we can actually see a really interesting. He's a Fraser, Patrick Lindley. If we're going to say that's his direct line, he's a Fraser. But who does he associate with more? the Mackenzies, really, and that's where the, the whole show kicks off is he's with them, and and he's actually possibly in the running to be a chief, and we I, and I did a previous episode on the system of tonistry and and how that, how that system worked within the Scottish Highlands and how it was different from primogenitor, and but you can see, I think it was a perfect case study of how that can be a complex thing, and it really was, he was that he was raised back at his, I, th- I think, if you, you guys can correct me, all you outlander aficionados out there, but I think he was an illegitimate son of the Fraser chief, this Fraser, this is one of the ones that I got some kind correction on, Fraser chief, or F- I don't think it's Fraser, I think it was Fraser, but it's not Fraser is the correction. So he was a, he was a, I think, illegitimate son of the chief or the Frasers, and then circumstances led him to be, you know, the British came in and he got whipped and ended up, anyway, long story short, he ends up with his mom's side of the family who are the Mackenzies. And actually not just the Mackenzies, but she's from the, the chiefly family of the Mackenzies. Okay, so, and that would, then why is he illegitimate? And I don't know, I'm not going to chase down the whole storyline of the Outlander, but the point is, he's he's a... Uh, Fraser on his dad's side, yet he's spending all his time with his mom's side. He's involved in their conflicts and their fights. He's fighting with them. He's involved in the drama that's going on back at the castle and the succession crisis and and all of these things going on back with the Mackenzies, and he's neck deep in that stuff. So there's a lot of different factors if we're going to consider this question in the context, in the historical context. So Back in the time where the clans were a no kidding, this is how Scottish society is laid out. I know the clans still exist. I know they're legally represented. It's not like they have officially gone away. But the nature of what a clan is and what that means for Scottish society is significantly different. Um, I, I wouldn't even say right up to the Battle of Culloden in 1746, because I, I don't think their whole societal structure came unraveled in a, in a after one battle. I believe it was generations, but that may have been the catalyst. No longer can chiefs call men up to fight on the basis of the fact that they have either a real or perceived kinship. All right, so so there's that. A- after that, that's I guess that's when I talk about the historical context. I'm talking about up until that general time period. Okay, so it was complex back then, and so if, if, that's, if that's what we're going to base our the way we answer this question, how do I know which, which clan do you consider your direct lineage? If it's not your surname, and even if it was your surname, if we live in a free world, you do whatever you want, but um, if it's not your surname, on my dad's side of the family, we have Lusk, the, the Lusk family from, from Scotland, and I believe it was a, just a spelling variation of what L-E-A-S-K, Lesk. 
do I take, it's on a matrilineal, it's a, it's on a female line, but it's on my dad's side. Does that make it more dominant? Cause it's a patriarchal. Side? I don't know. Um, I think it's whatever you want. So that's my answer to Amy Hamilton. Is Amy right? Just gonna make sure I don't get her name wrong. Yep. That's my answer is you figure it out. So it was for me, and some of you have heard my story before, it was the McFarlands. It was the McFarlands who I stumbled upon a book that my mother happened to have. I'd already started to get into family history. I just and I didn't even know anything about it. I just found some some pedigree charts that went back a really long ways, like back in the time period. I knew enough to know that it was the knights in shining armor, and it connected me back into them. That was just fired up my little imagination. And so I was already interested in this. And then I found this book on my this group, this family on my mom's side of the family who joined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Scotland and immigrated across the plains. Was, was, they were one of the, these McFarlands were one of the early families in Weber County and were con, um, influential in getting, amongst other families, with getting the canal brought out through there so they could get some crops up and going on a, a much more productive level than, level than you could without that irrigation. But it gave their cultural background of where they came from, and so it gave, them a hist- gave us a little history in that book, Honorable Remembrance of William McFarland and Margaret McCormick. It, it gives some background on where they're coming from and who were the McFarlands and, you know, be, be long before William and Margaret. And so that, that just lit me up. And that's what really to this day has led me into this passion for this, this subject. And so guess what? I'm in the process right now of getting a kilt, and guess which tartan I'm going with? And some of you are going to say, very rightly so, it doesn't matter what tartan you're going with because the clans in the historical period didn't care. It's just whatever their local weaver was making. Uh, but I'm, but it, it is a thing now, and which you got to choose one, so which one do you choose? So I'm going with the McFarlane. It's on a mother's side of my mother's side of my mother's sides. I don't know. That's what I'm going with. And so that's my answer to anybody who might have the same. I think one reason that Amy Hamilton got so many comments on this post on, the, on, you know, on our Facebook group is because I think a lot of people, they, they have maybe even have the same question or they, she asked it and they're like, wow, that is a good question. Which one do you pick? And a lot of people, I'm not going to go through all the different responses, but a lot of people had something to respond on that. So, so Amy, first of all, thank you for ask, going on the, the Facebook page, asking the, or the Facebook group, asking the question, and now look what happened. you got this awesome conversation going. And that's my invitation to all of you via this podcast. This podcast is meant to not be the all-inclusive encyclopedia source of unlimited knowledge regarding the Scottish clans. This is supposed to be a conversation starter. I want some people who are fascinated by the subject, the same as I am, to talk with and to speak with and converse about it. And the way we continue this, you know, this is a very one-way, this podcast or this YouTube video, very one-way conversation, just me talking. But the intent is that it gets more things going. And so go over to our Facebook group and get involved in some of the conversations there. If you don't see anybody else that's starting something you're interested in, fire off your own question and do what Amy Hamilton did here. So thank you once again, Amy, for doing that. Also, there's other ways you can go. If you want to just give me feedback, you can go on podbean.com or get the app and you can leave me comments there or you can go on Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. And on YouTube, you can you can make comments in the 
in the comment section below when, when I get these up and going. All right, so let's get to the, the subject that we want to talk about today. The reason that you were scrolling through different podcasts, and you're like, I want this one, because you saw the title of this was going to be The McKenzie's versus The Campbell's, A Comparison and Contrast. And let me tell you how I got the idea for this, this episode. I was reading a, an, uh, uh, an, an article or a paper, rather, written by, now I've, I've said his name before, I've actually reached out to him via email and tried to spell it phonetically and say, hey, is this close? And he says, that's ah, close enough. This is by Agnes McKenzie. In English, we would say Angus McKenzie, but this is how he actually signs his name on the papers that he writes, and so we're going we're gonna to follow his lead on this, and we're going to try our best to pronounce the, the Gaelic here. Agnes McKenzie. And the name of the, it was written, this paper was written in 2003, and the name of, the title of it is King's Rabbles, or Kingus Rabellus is what it looks like, but it, I think it's a Scots dialect of, of King's Rebels. So, King's Rebels to Cudich and Rhee, The Emergence of Clan Hynech, circa 1475 to 1508. So, this, I was reading this paper. So, Ineus McKenich is a, I, I believe he's the University of, I think it's the University of Aberdeen. Jump back up here and see if I can look at the, make sure I get his installation. It might be a different one than that, though. It might be... It's a, okay, it's a paper from the University of Glasgow, and I've actually, on previous episodes, because this is not the first time I've used his work on this podcast, um, and I, I've used, I've, I've gone in more detail about what his exact title is at that university and which university, but this is, a, it's a University of Glasgow paper, so I'm assuming, and for, forgive me all you, uh, if you have got anybody from Glasgow listening to this, and I know you guys have your own peculiar way of pronouncing the name of your city. And Glasgow's not it, but that's what I'm going to go with today. Anyway, so this is his paper, and it's talking about how the Mackenzies, especially within the historical record, come out of the mists of unrecorded time and into the, the where there's actually contemporary records about them. And how do we see this kindred go from not being mentioned at all, to they, they are actually popping up and they're actually a very powerful kindred. Now, does that mean, is that the same thing as that they weren't a powerful kindred before they were being mentioned in contemporary records? Um, I don't think so, but we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. And as I was reading this paper, I actually started to notice a few parallels between the Mackenzies and the Campbells. And so... We're going to talk about that a little bit today, and we're not we're not dumping like really diving into deep, 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 deep detail on, on this. But this is just to be like, hey, look, there here's some things that were similar about the Mackenzies and Campbells, and at the end, I'll mention a, a few things that are, are different about these two kindreds. Now, one little interesting, shallow tidbit of information that you might be interested in about the Mackenzies is in in Gaelic, and you heard you heard this professor's name. It's Mackenzie. There's something close to that. There's no Z in it. So why is that? So my understanding is there was a letter a long time ago when people were writing English, and there's actually a name of this letter. I don't know what it is, like, like all the letters have names. And it looks like a Z, but it, it wasn't a Z, and it doesn't make a Z sound. It makes kind of like a Y sound, like a Y, 
or in some other languages like what a J would make, like with the, the Norwegian with a fjord and several other languages. Have a, have a similar sound with a J. So it's, it's that kind of a sound. So you're looking at more like McKinney. And, and that's because you're not pronouncing the guttural CH on the end as you are in McKinney. Anyway, it's people who have the last name of McKinney, which actually served in a, in a National Guard unit with a, a gentleman by the last name of McKinney. Good, good troop. And he, that, that's a, that's a, just a, very, um, a variation on the spelling of Mackenzie, but it is more phonetic. It's To the ear, it's closer to how it would have sounded in Gaelic. So for all you people who've, who are named McKinney out there, um, your, your ancestors, different between, difference between you and the Mac, people who are Mackenzies, the di- difference is the Mackenzies adopted the sound to the letter that was mistaken for a, a Z. It's not a Z. And it wasn't. It was put in there for different purposes. But like, oh, Mackenzie, and so now we're because of the way it's spelled and this letter that gets misunderstood, we're pronouncing it as a Z, and now we've got a name of Mackenzie. And eventually, people who actually had this last name just kind of went along with it, and like maybe they got tired of correcting people about how it's really. Maybe they're trying to tell people how to pronounce Mackenzie, and they're in an English-speaking context and. The English-speaking people are just shaking their heads like, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to go with McKenzie. I don't know how it turned out, but you all are the same name. McKinney, McKenzie, it's all the same. And it's all son of what we would say in English is Kenneth. All right, so that's what McKenzie means, son of Kenneth, but really it's son of Kenneth. So there's your little tidbit of how, how we came to have a Z in there. All right, so how were the Mackenzies and the Campbells, how are they similar? Now, one thing I, before I get into that, that I have done for the Campbells and I have not done an episode on the Mackenzies is if you're just new to this podcast and you haven't been listening for episodes and episodes and episodes and you haven't binged on this, like I know some of you have because you've told me, the, uh, I've done th- three episodes on the Campbells back-to-back. It was, a, it was a little series. It was part of my Clan Clusters series where if I find a bunch of clans that have a connection to each other, either they're all part of really the same kindred, they're all, or maybe they're all the same clan but they're different branches of the kindred like the Campbells had, then we, I've done a few Clan Clusters like that. And so I usually put that at the beginning on the episode title of Clan Clusters, Campbells or Clan Clusters, Clan Anrahan or the Shiel Alpen or whatever the, the episode was. And so if you want more information on the foundations and the roots and the origins of the Campbells, you can go back to my episodes on that. I have not done the same thing for the Mackenzie, so maybe I'll just give... Well, actually, I think as, as we do this, just, just by the way that this episode is laid out, I think it'll begin to emerge. So one of the ways that the Mackenzies and the Campbells are similar is that both clans had very early connections to the McDonald's. Okay, so what were those connections? Well, according to, okay, here's something that um, McKinnick points out is that you have sources of McKenzie history that come from the 1600s and they come from within the clan. Um, various members of the McKenzies decided to go and flesh out their own history and make sure their own people knew where they came from 
And there is some criticism to be aimed at the way they use sources and the way they combined information and the way that they wanted their genealogy to look or to sound, who they wanted it to be connected to, what stances they wanted their clan to have taken during certain periods of Scottish history. All that played into these internal clan histories of the Mackenzies. But, but really, we don't have... We don't have any contemporary record of the Mackenzies, of a specific member, I should say, or a specific chief of the Mackenzies until the mid-1400s. Now, if we go back to a manuscript from 1467, and that's actually the way you see that it's like, that's the name of it, that's the way you see it written when people are talking about it. In these scholarly papers, is uh, they just it's, it says MS... 1467 on it. They believe it was written by uh, one of the McVerichs. The McVerichs were a uh, a more trade-based clan, and I, I need to do a whole series on that. I, I have mentioned them a little bit in the series that I did on the structure of a clan, but I haven't done a, a whole just deep dive into trade-based kindreds. But the McVerichs were bards, essentially, out in the, the Western Isles to the to the, uh, the McDonald's and to other prominent Highland and, and Hebridean clans and, and chiefs. And, and they think it was, so they think it was written by a McVerich who may have came from Kintyre, which is from old, old times, uh, one of the base territories of the McDonald's. And so that's, that's where they believe this, this uh, manuscript comes from. And in it, it actually mentions that that's actually what makes up most of this manuscript is genealogies of different clans and they to include the Mackenzies. So even though a specific chief in contemporary sources is not mentioned until the mid 1400s, the clan does go back a lot longer before that. And the thing that it does mention in this MS 1467 manuscript is that a Mackenzie had married one of the daughters of John of Isla, Lord of the Isles in the 1300s. And I believe this is the same John of Isla that, or Yoin, who had married Anya McRory and had a few kids with her and then realized that the Stuarts are up and coming, kicks Anya to the curb. She goes, her, her sons go on to found several major branches of the McDonald's. He goes on then to marry a Stuart and then that's the subsequent lords of the isles or the, the leaders of this kindred come from that marriage. And one of his daughters, and I'm not sure which wife, and maybe the Stuart wife, I'm not sure, but one of this John or Yoin of Isla's daughter, daughters, one, one of them marries this, a, a, a chief of the Mackenzie. So that's where we really see in contemporary record the Mackenzie's mentioned. And so this actually you can you can do a lot. So here here that proves a very early connection. 1300s, the Mackenzies are a kindred by this point, and the implication there is that they're powerful enough that they're intermarrying with one of the most powerful clans in all of Scotland at this time, who were the Lords of the Isles, right? The, the chiefs of Clan Donal. So that, that must have indicated that by this time, by the 1300s, the Mackenzies, even though they're not, there's not a lot of information on them until later, that they were a substantial kindred. Now some, 
McKenzie histories will claim that the McKenzies originate from a Colin Fitzgerald from the, Fitz, the very powerful Fitzgerald family of Ireland, and that he came up to Scotland on some mission, and King gave him a bunch of lands and intermarried very powerful families, and while all there you have it. Um, McKenzie here is not buying it, really, to be just to put it bluntly, and points out several, if you read this paper, I've given you the, the title of it, the date, everything you need to know to look this, this paper up, and if I can find out where I got it, I, have, I still have a hard, problem of, hard time of just dumping these papers from current professors or people who have positions at these different universities, because sometimes there's some copyright things, and I don't know how that works, but if I can find an open source easy, just anybody can find it with an internet connection, then I'll try to dump those links on the, on the show notes for the, for the podcast and in the, on the Facebook group. But I've, I've shown you where to find the information if you want to dive into this a little bit deeper, but he's not buying the, that Colin Fitzgerald origin th- story of the McKenzie's. All right, so there you go, and, th- and that's, so that's an early connection to the McDonald's. Now, the, the Camel connection actually goes back farther to the McDonald's, and whether they were intermarrying or not, I don't know. I don't know how far back where the first intermarriage was between Camels and McDonald's, but here's the connection I do know they had at a fairly early date, pre-1300s, and, and maybe into the very, very early, early 1300s. And what I'm talking about is Robert the Bruce's bid for the Scottish throne. Now, if you recall, his early efforts were met with dramatic failure. Um, the Battle of Methven, he nearly, and those of you who've seen Outlaw King, you've, the, it portrays this, and actually they, I did watch a thing where they said there wasn't any flaming arrows at that battle, or at least none that were mentioned, or there, I don't know, there's some problem with the flaming arrows, that's all I remember, but it was a crushing defeat for Robert the Bruce, and he had to go into hiding, and then on his retreat from the Battle of Methven and that huge defeat, the McDougals ambushed him, and nearly, nearly did him in there, and he makes it to the Scottish West Coast. There's several different clans to include the McFarlands, who have a legend that they actually sheltered him during his flight. And that's where the whole story of him seeing the spider web and there's there's some lore there. But he makes it to the west coast of Scotland, and he actually makes it out of Scotland. How did he make that? How did he make it out of Scotland? This is actually portrayed in Outlaw King, the, and this character is in Outlaw King. It's Enius, Enius Og. Um, his, his older brother, Alistair Moore, is actually the, the leader of the kindred of the McDonald's. And so he's a younger brother. Now there is, it looks like there, I looked this all up and had it all mapped out one time, but it looks like this is all one big happy family. Like they're all cousins and it's how connected some way. But the point there is that Enius Og McDonnell and Neil Campbell, very early member of the Campbell family, are two, along with James Douglas, some of the very, very closest and most faithful companions of Robert the Bruce. Now, if you're a Cummin or a McDougal, then that makes you hate them and you don't find anything noble there because they sided with a murderer who didn't have anyway you can they they you know and you guys all know the stories there so but to Robert the Bruce Neil Campbell and Enyesog McDonald are some of his 
right, like just very closest, most loyal supporters. And so we see them taking at a very, very early date the same side, which is kind of ironic because then later on, they, they, this one of the most famous feuds in all of Scottish history is the McDonald's and the Campbell's. But so there's something that the McKenzie's and the Campbell's have in common is very early connections to the McDonald's. Now, another thing that they have in common, and it, once again, this relates to the McDonald's, is that both clans ended up rising up at the expense of the McDonald's. And, and actually, the time periods that this happens for both the McKenzie's and the Campbell's are it's, it's very similar time periods. You see it start to happen in the 1500s. In fact, actually, as early as the 1490s, within the McKenzie clan, you start to see a distancing. See, before that, aside from the fact that one of their early chiefs married a daughter of Yoin of Isla, Lord of the Isles, the, there's, there's evidence that it looks like the McKenzie's may have been had very close ties to them. And you get into the 1490s and you see now some competition and actually some armed conflict between these two, these two forces. And, you know, you have the Battle of Harlaw, which that was in 1411, so we're going back even farther. And this is where the McKenzie sources, they try to take stances like this is who we sided with and this is who we sided against and this is why we did this. And actually you have McDonald from, of Slate sources. I think it's in the, the book of Clan Rannell. Not sure if that was the one, but the McDonald's have their take. And the reason, and they have actually a very interesting take on the McKenzie's side because it may have, this history may have been done by the Beatons who were working, some of them were working for the McDonald's and other groups of that same kindred may have been in the employ of the McKenzie's. And so you don't want to slander the McKenzie's too bad because your cousins are over there or brothers maybe, I don't know, doing work for them. <coughs> Excuse me. So if you want more on that, McKenna lines it all out in his in his paper there. So it's it's really interesting. But when the eventually the McKenzie's start rising up and actually coming into open conflict with the McDonald's. And sometimes they lose, but sometimes they actually win. The McDonald of Loch Alsh, I think it was Alexander McDonald of Loch Alsh, was doing a huge raid with some Camerons into Rossshire, which is the kind of the power base of the Mackenzies. At least it would become that. They started out farther west, but they come move, move into Ross in a raid. And Mackenzie rallies his clan as well as the other people from that area, and they actually defeat McDonald of Loch Alsh and his allies in that. And so that's you see you see the the um, the Mackenzies make a decision at an early date. McKinnock suggests, not proves, but suggests that they may have done that because they had received actual legal title legal position to territory within Rothshire from the crown. And so now they're interested in having a very pro-government stance. And so they might try to explain away any tie that they'd had to McDonald rebellions earlier on. And they, they decide from this moment forward, and this would be um, first half of the 1500s, that, that they're going to be a government clan. And they're going to move forward on the side of the government. 
and they're going to come out against the McDonald's. And actually, the McDonald's had, they have Loch Alsh and Loch Karen territories on the western seaboard of northern Scotland. And those territories would ex eventually be absorbed into Mackenzie territory. Now, if you know anything about this McDonald-Campbell feud, you'll know that in the other parts of the Highlands, the Campbells would end up being the ones who gobble up McDonald territory. So coming into the 1600s, the Mackenzies and Campbells have gained significant territories at the expense of the McDonald's. So that's another thing they have in common. Now, with that being said, a possibly a more close parallel, parallel to the Campbell acquisition of, you know, growing up in power at somebody else's expense, a closer parallel with the McKenzie's would not be what they got at the expense of the McDonald's, but what they got at the expense of the McLeod's. So rather than saying both the McKenzie's and the Campbell's progressed at the expense of the McDonald's, you could develop into a, a completely separate but parallel type of events where the Campbell's are rising at the expense of the McDonald's in this area, and farther nor north, the McKenzie's are rising at the expense of the McLeod's, specifically Sheil Torkel. Now, let me tell you a little bit about that. Oh, back on the McDonald's, it wasn't just Loch Alsh and Loch Karen. Um, Mechanic mentioned specific branches of the McDonald's that the McKenzie's had, had gathered up. And that is, the uh, they eventually obtained the, the former McDonald lands of Loch Karen and Loch Alsh, like I mentioned. But then they'd also get, they would defeat Glengarry in battle. The McDonald slate was the Earl of Seaforth's brother-in-law, eventually that, that marriage would take place, and Clan Ronald eventually were the Earl of Seaforth's vassals. Now, that might be a new term, Earl of Seaforth. That was a title that was acquired by later chiefs of the Mackenzie. So if I say the Earl of Seaforth or just Seaforth, we're talking about a Mackenzie chief, all right? Not to be confused with the Earl of Seafield, which is another Scottish earldom. All right, so we see these different branches in the north of Scotland succumbing to the Mackenzies. Um, but like I said, the closer parallel might be the Mackenzies rising at the expense of the McLeods. Now, you've got to understand, if you haven't heard my episode on the McLeods, which I, I did a while ago, there's two main branches of the McLeods. You have Sheil Torkil and Sheil Tormod. And Sheil is just another, one of the many other... Gallic metaphorical words for the seed or progeny of, okay? So you see this division, and they're not really sure the original Laod were these were these two sons of his, or were they, was one the nephew of the other? Are they like offset generationally, or how does this work? And they're not sure about that, but you do have within this MacLeod lineage, you have these two branches of Shield Torkil and Shield Tormod. Shield Tormod are the McLeods of Harris and Dunvegan, or the McLeods of McLeod. And Dunvegan Castle is one of the most iconic and, and famous castles. It's on the Isle of Skye, and there's all sorts of cool legends that go along with that that maybe we can make an episode of sometime in the future. Shield Torkel are based on the Isle of Lewis, and their castle was right by Stornoway, which was a, a seaport there on the Isle of Lewis. So specifically when we're as, as in reference to the Mackenzies, it was the Shield Torkel or the McLeods of Lewis that suffered at, at at to their to their brothers the Mackenzies to the east. And by brothers I mean like we're all brothers 
right? Not the actual relation. Although we do, there's probably some intermarriage between the two if we wanted to go back and do get into those weeds there. Um, eventually, the Mackenzies would own Lewis, the whole island, like the the heartland of the McLeod of Lewis of Shield Torkel's territory. That would eventually become Mackenzie territory, and the McLeods of Lewis also had, and I'm looking back at my map here, they had several major territories on the western seaboard of the mainland Scotland, like the McLeods of Assint and the McLeods of Gerlach. Well, those would be those would be also swallowed up into Mackenzie territory as well, and either those those kindreds would dissolve and go away, or I believe the McLeods of Assint end up just functioning under Mackenzie lordship later on. So, so any either way, you see the Mackenzies gobbling up and gaining dominance over the McLeods of Lewis, and that. They they in the during the 1500s the McLeods of Lewis kind of go away and there's a huge backstory to that and and I go into a little bit more detail on that episode I did on the on the McLeods a, a, a while ago. Um, here's another similarity: both the Mackenzies and the Campbells tend to side with the government. Now the Campbells have been doing this ever since Neil Campbell and Robert the Bruce. That was just a stance that they decided to take, and subsequent generations kept it up. Yes, we do during the Protestant Reformation. Um, we do see some brace back because during, like, especially during the time of Mary, Queen of Scots, the uh, and I can't remember specifically what chief it was, but the Campbell chief w- had decided to be a Protestant, and so that that created friction between a clan that had always been just right there for the for the throne and and very tight tightly connected to the Scottish monarchs and very close and supported them loyally, then you see the little rift there. But but the overall trend of Campbell history is definitely on the side of the government. And like I mentioned earlier, the Mackenzies took a similar stance. Later, granted, later in their history, as you're coming in toward the 15, the, the turn of the century, coming into the 1500s, you see them start to de- uh, develop a much more pro-government stance, and they would carry that clear on... Now I know a lot of you are probably who those of you who are big fans of Outlander that you you know that's in the fair, in the first season I I did make it far enough to see the um, the Mackenzies especially Dougal Mackenzie on the, on the going the rounds through the Mackenzie territory making collections raising money for Prince the Bonnie Prince Charlie to come back and and that and the, there was Mackenzie there with Mackenzies it was complicated during that time period but. Once again, the overall trajectory of their history post roughly 1500 was a very pro-government stance. Now, it's interesting because the Campbells catch a lot of flack for for doing that, especially from people who have, as they look back into history and have a more favorable view of the McDonald's, and the McDonald's were this bastion of Gallic culture and learning and progression and the Gales are going to, and those of you who lament the loss of the Gallic culture, as do I, tend to look at, you know, this McDonald versus Campbell thing, and it, was, it, it tends to, I think, naturally develop a little antipathy towards the Campbells in that stance, but it's very important to to realize this, that when we paint the a general picture of Highland clans as these aggressively independent anti 
central government, anti-Scottish monarch, just stay away and let us do it. That was true for some clans and not for other Highland clans. And I'm speaking specifically of Highlanders because that's kind of how they're painted. It was much more complex than that, really. And and in uh, in the case of the Mackenzies and the Campbells, so you, we all know that the Mackenzies or the the Campbells took that stance, but the Mackenzies, who generally don't receive the same kind of flack as the Campbells do, and and, and I know that there's other th- reasons for that flack, but you do see it in the way that the hi- a lot of the histories are written that the stinking Campbells side of the government all the stinking time, and therefore the government favored them, and they got all these lands, and they rose, and they cheated and stuff, and whatever happened. The Mackenzies sided pretty reliably for much of their history with the government. Now, what uh, that, that, that almost would lead me into talking about one of the differences between the Campbells and the Mackenzies, but I just want to maybe mention... One more, um, one more similarity between the Mackenzies and the Campbells, and that is that. And this is kind of a trivial thing; it's not a, it's it's not quite as profound as some of these other similarities. But it's it's I do think it's interesting to note that both of these kindreds liked the name Colin, and there was um, I think at least three Argyle chiefs that were named Colin. And I know that there was a there was a gray Colin of Glen Orkey. There was, and I believe there are other chieftains with of other branches of the Campbells who took the name Colin too. So Colin ended up being a very popular name amongst the the uh, the Campbell kindred. Now, in the with when we talk about the Mackenzies, Colin was the name of a couple of their chiefs also, and it became more popular within this kindred. But it, it's interesting that it became more popular after this origin myth of Colin Fitzgerald came about. So it's interesting to see whether that had anything to do with it or not. But um, you, have a, you do have a couple of major chi- chiefs of the Mackenzies, and I didn't look to see how many of their heads of smaller branches of the clan were also went with the name Colin like they were doing with the Campbells. So there's another similarity. Let me get, um, the, the Campbells and the, and the Mackenzies weren't the same in every respect. One, the one major difference is the, the historical record that we have of each. It goes much back, back much farther on the part of the Campbells than it does on the part of the Mackenzies. I mean, with the, with the Campbells, we know that they're on the scene at least by the mid-1200s. And some people will claim to, to take it further back than that. And so will the Mackenzies. The Mackenzies will claim back farther. But when we're just talking about the historical record, especially when we're talking about individuals, actual people, and specifically chiefs of that kindred, like I mentioned earlier, the first Mackenzie chief mentioned by contemporary sources, not it's, it's Alastair Enric in the mid-1400s. That's pretty late in the game for clans. Now, like I said earlier, we know that they were a major kindred much earlier than that because in the 1300s, they were intermarrying with the Lords of the Isles. So that was not everybody could just propose that kind of a link to the Lords of the Isles. But as far as the historical record is concerned, the Mackenzies are very late comers on the scene. All right, and the, uh, like I said, mid-1400s is when Alistair, uh, Alistair Enric Mackenzie lived. 
And so about the same time also that that manuscript written by the McDonald's is, is being published. Um, with the uh, here, Here's another major difference, and this goes back to when I was mentioning that the McKenzie's don't catch all the same flack as the Campbell's did. Now, I've... I have voiced my thoughts on this many, many times in this podcast, especially whenever the Campbells come up. I'm not a hater, and I don't think that's the route to happiness. But the uh, here's one major difference why I, I don't. I think the Campbells get a lot of their flack undeserved, but they do have one huge black eye. And for a deeper treatment of this subject. Please go listen to my episode or watch my episode. Well, probably listen because I don't know if I'm going to ever do a video on this. Maybe I will. But there, I, I do have a podcast episode on this about the, the massacre at Glencoe, which had the Campbell's name on it. Now, if you go back to that episode, we, we, it's, it's more complex than that. It's more complicated. But their name got put on it. And to my knowledge, the McKenzie's don't have an equivalent event in their history. And that did not help the Campbells. So there's two major differences between the McKenzie's and the, the Campbells is the, uh, that, that black eye that was the massacre of Glencoe. Once again, not coming out at anybody. You've got to go back. We discussed some of the complexities of that issue back in that, that episode on the, Glen, on the massacre of Glencoe. But there, and so there you have it. There's, not only did we highlight some comparison, compo- uh, comparison, contrast, similarities, differences between the McKenzie's and Campbell's, but in doing so, hopefully we educated a little bit on the history of either one. And like I said, I was taking most of that information from Anis McKenzie's article on the emergence of the McKenzie kindred. And so he's clearly going to discuss the McKenzie's more than the Campbell's. So if that kind of a bias leaked through into this presentation, that's why. It's, uh, it's not that I was trying to leave out the Campbells. Like I said, I've got three whole episodes back-to-back and more episodes where it deals, like where they were part of the episode, maybe not the focus of it like they were on that Clan Cluster series. So go back. If you want more on the Campbells, listen to that. If you more want more on the McDonald's of Glencoe, listen to that one too. We're starting by now. I've been, I've been almost been at this for two years now, and we're starting to really gather up an archive of material that we've dealt with. And so if you are interested in the history of the Scottish clans, to my knowledge, and at the time that I'm saying this, there's, there are other Scottish history podcasts, but there are no other podcasts that are specifically aiming at the clans of Scotland. They, they mention them, they talk about them, maybe have an episode here or there on a specific clan, but this whole clan is built around the subject, uh, or this whole podcast is built around the subject of the clans. And if this is a subject that you're fascinated with, Go back through there and see if I don't have more to offer you by way of information. Hopefully you've liked this. Whether you're connected to the McKenzie or the Campbell families, clans, kindreds, whatever you want to call them, or whether you're just like, this is interesting stuff one way or the other. You look, However you look at it, whatever angle you're coming from, whatever clan you identify as, going back to our the beginning of this episode, I hope you found this interesting and, and helpful. So, once again, I encourage you to get on the Scottish Clans Facebook group and become part of the conversation on there. We've had some really, really cool experiences on there. And if you want to just make your 
your feedback more private to me, go ahead and go on podbean.com and leave me a comment in there. And I'm pretty good about responding to those because I don't have as many go I don't have as much going on on there as I do on the Facebook group. I got a lot going on there. It's hard for me to comment on everything, but I do try to get in there and read it all. Another way to communicate with me directly is on the Apple Podcast. Leave me a review. Or whenever I figure out how this YouTube thing works, go ahead and put some comments down on the bottom. So thank you for joining me today. And until next time, Marsh and Lave Andrasta.